That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool's unbeaten streak is up to 32 games. They went to Bournemouth and won 3-0 over the Cherries. Mohamed Salah and Naby Keita were the notable names on the score sheet for Liverpool. Leicester City and Jamie Vardy kept up their run as they beat down Aston Villa 4-1. Leicester remain only eight points behind Liverpool and are firmly in second place in the league right now. And that's because Manchester United went to Manchester City and beat down the champions 2-1. Marcus Rashford scored from the spot and Martial scored six minutes later before an Otamendi was able to pull one back for City who are now 14 points off the league. They are as close to 13th in the table as they are to first. Chelsea suffered a shock loss to Duncan Ferguson's Everton losing 3-1 at Goodison Park. Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin were on the score sheet for the Toffees, who benefited from the new manager bump. And Tottenham got back to winning ways as they demolished Burnley 5-0. Harry Kane snagged the brace as Mourinho gets his first clean sheet as Spurs manager. Welcome to the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Pissarro in here. We only got Javier today. It's not Alex shirking the music. It's just scheduling, much like we had in the middle of the week. Sometimes it be like that. How are we doing today, buddy? Yeah, this is, I don't, have we had any pods where it's just me and you? I don't, I think, I don't. Is this a first? I think this might be a first of just the two of us. This might be a first. Alex, yeah, I don't, he had an emergency or something. He couldn't join us tonight, um, but I'm sure he'll be here in spirit. And you'll probably be hearing from him a little bit later on. We might have him a little bit later on in the we pod. Are gonna have, um, we are, if we do, uh, we are going to have him if we do have a pod. segment for him uh, for the Arsenal game tomorrow. So I'm sure we'll have his thoughts there. Yeah, that's that's actually the plan. Is so Javier and I are going. You're you're going to hear from the two of us for about 25 minutes, and then um, you will hear from Alex and Javier, who will be taping at another time, and they'll react to the Chelsea game and they'll react to the Arsenal game. We're right now recording on Sunday. It was a glorious weekend of football. Not so glorious for my gambling picks, but... Uh, some really nice yeah. goals. There were some great really goals. Really nice goals. Really great goals. Uh, some of the things I bet this weekend, I had Marcus Rashford to score at any time at plus 230, which was a lock. Um, that, that was a that beautiful... Was, that was, yeah, that, that was, was easy, easy money. At plus 230, and, wow. Yeah. Uh, I had the I had Leicester and uh, Leicester result in both to score that hit. Um, I but I also had the Liverpool result in both to score because we've been conceding goals like crazy and that one surprisingly didn't hit. And I had Manchester City to win and both teams to score, so that one didn't hit. But let's you know what I guess we can start with the Liverpool game because we're not going to talk about Chelsea till later in the podcast. Uh, so Liverpool rotated squads again as they go to Bournemouth. They, they changed up in the midweek. They changed up again. Uh, Firmino and Salah return. Oxlade-Chamberlain starts. Naby Keita got the start. And, man, he balled out against the Cherries. He's always- Naby looked really good in this game. He played really well. I thought uh, probably his best game in Liverpool shirt. Goal and an assist and had the sick assist for, for Mohamed Salah. And then had the, the Mohamed Salah had the the back heel. What a weekend for back heels this week across. Yeah, there were some football. really nice back heels. If you haven't seen the uh, the Luis Suarez back heel goal against Mallorca for four, the the fourth goal in that game is uh, absolutely amazing. And then the uh, back heel assist that Salah had, the no look um, back heel assist to Keita was yeah, it's just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, uh, this this game was kind of. Um, 
it was I wouldn't say it was even, but like Liverpool were controlling possession and Bournemouth were defending well um, up until about the 30th minute when Nathan Ake got injured. Um, and once he went down, they had to bring on like some kid who was making his Premier League debut. Jack Simpson. And, uh, and this, the, 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 the second that that happened, um, you know, Liverpool started launching long balls right at this kid. And you guys got a got a goal from that like three or four minutes after he came on. So it was no surprise that you guys got both of your goals down his side. And you, yeah, you guys were savages. You just immediately just, you know, I mean, as you should, you, though, as you, you absolutely when you see, should. When a shark sees blood in the water, it goes yeah. after it. You know what I mean? As like, you absolutely should. You guys just, you know, hit them uh, with two quick goals before halftime. And then. Uh, you know, when the game restarted, Callum Wilson was hurt, I think, in around the 50th minute. Just to add insult to injury, you know, basically gave them absolutely no chance of getting back into the game. And you guys put the third goal in at that point. And yeah, definitely. I mean, this is just to me cements, you know, you guys are going to win the title this year. I don't I don't. Lester's not catching you. Come on. I mean, I know they're playing well, but we have a huge game against Leicester. I think you guys have lost one game in sixty-one. Yeah, that's pretty fun. The last sixty-one. It's been pretty. It's a pretty good 61. time. Sixty-one. They've lost one game. Yeah. At the at the head, that was against Man City. Yeah. That's it. And that one, that one, that one, that was that uh the game where they uh the, the clearance at the line. Yeah, the John Stones like, clearance. That was like yeah. two inches yeah. or like it, some shit. Yeah, it was, it was like millimeters. Yeah, that was literally millimeters. Yeah. No, they, look, like they, this is this was Liverpool were the better team here. The one thing that concerned me about this game was Dan Lovren coming off with like a cramp. Um, and, and that, look, Joel Matip is still not back. He's not. Oh no, Joe Gomez gets to play center back It's again. not, that's not the problem. It's, it's, Joe Gomez playing center back is fine. That's really doesn't concern me. It's more of the, what happens if Joe Gomez gets hurt again? And then we're talking, and the other thing too is one of our emergency center backs last year was Fabinho, who's also hurt right now. So then we're talking about the two 17-year-old kids, like the two Dutch kids that we have. That Yeah, Keon, that could Rahaver. be scary because right. it's going to be Gomez, Van Dyke starting, and then if someone gets a red card or something happens, right. yeah, that's, I could see how that could that's be a why, That's the one thing that— Especially going into this busy fixture period right, right now. And now with when they were, they're going to send you know a majority of the squad to, to Qatar for the, for the Club World Cup. So that—we didn't need that. That does concern me, but— uh, this, look, the last two games, Liverpool have kind of, and we've talked about this on the podcast, they've been winning these like nervy 2-1s or these games where they've dominated and haven't took, taken their chances. The What they did in the midweek this week against Everton and what they did on Saturday against Bournemouth was they were clearly better than these teams and they just absolutely stepped on the other team's throat. Got the win. Yeah, blew them off, blew the, them park. off the park. Three, go- three, goal, three goal wins in both of them, 5-2 and 3-0, so... You guys, you guys look like champions right now. At, you guys look like you, uh, you're you believing it. At no point in this game was I ever worried, oh, we're going to drop points here. And that's like, that's what, that's what you know, we're, we're obviously, that's that's what you want. And I mean, this team is so talented. Now they've got the big midweek test against uh, Rebel, uh, Rebel Salzburg at Red Bull. So that that one's that one's for all the Marvels, really. That's a spicy matchup there, yo. The, uh, the Eric Brunhalland. Yep. He's got uh, 27 goals in 19 games this year. Watch for that kid. Yeah. You know he might uh, he might show up in that game. He's sco- he scored in every single Champions League game this year, and all five group stage games, including at Anfield, which is uh, not something people do a lot of this year. No, uh, let's especially as a nineteen year old. No, definitely not. Let's talk about Tottenham's five nil dis- uh, capitulation of Burnley. Harry Kane in the fourth, Lucas Moura in the ninth, Kane again in the fifty fourth, Sissoko, and then 
I'm missing a goal here. God, you let Musa Sissoko oh, yeah. score, you trash can. Oh, yeah. A uh, human son. You missed, right. you missed son's... Uh, goal of the year, uh, potentially. amazing goal, right. Like, to, to, you, yeah, you left it off because you, you knew we were going to talk yeah. about it. You know, it was uh, it was on purpose, Andrew. He probably, he took that ball, what, like, cl- close to... It was at his 18-yard yeah. line. Yeah, 18-yard line. third goal of the game. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think we'll see a solo goal like that this year again. Um, that was absolutely amazing, and... Harry Kane's first goal, too. He oh, just ripped it from, yeah. like, 30 yards out and just put it rifle to the top corner. The goalie had absolutely no chance. But Burnley's defending, don't get me wrong, they were god-awful. They are really inconsistent this year. And it makes me think that, like, that kind of feeling that I had earlier where they might be in that relegation fight come the end of the season, it's games like this that make me think that because Tottenham were... They were good this game, but they weren't, like, 5-0, blow-you-away amazing. They just... They just got no opposition pushback whatsoever. You know, Burnley started this game really, really slow. Um, you know, Kane got a goal in the fourth minute, more in the ninth minute. They were already down 2-0 nine minutes in. The game was pretty much over at that point. And it's at you know, Tottenham, versus too. Mourinho team. It's, I was at, it was, versus yeah. Mourinho team at Tottenham. Yeah, and I mean, it, but this is impressive to me. It's, it's impressive that a Mourinho team can... Tottenham hasn't won 5-0 this year at all. No. Um, and that, they, I don't remember the last time they won 5-0 under Pochettino. I remember they did it once or twice. Probably a Champions League game, um, like against somebody. Yeah, they, they've had they've had some good runs before, but you you got to remember that, you know, this, this team got spanked by Bayern Munich. Um, you know, they got seven goals scored on them earlier this season, and they've now won, I think, four out of their five games with Mourinho. Mm-hmm. They lost a game at Old Trafford, but it was close. They still played pretty well in that game. I think Tottenham's back. Number one, the, the spirit in the squad seems to be back. I'm sure a lot of the players who were like, a lot of them had already signed long-term contracts, like Son, Kane, Ali. They'd already signed contracts. I think they thought Pochettino was going to be there for a few years. I'm pretty sure they're behind Mourinho right now. Um, Ali looks amazing. He scored in... I think every uh, game. Think every single game. Yeah, every- I was about to think of it. I think he scored in every game since Mourinho's took over. Um, or, or, or maybe he didn't score in one here or there, but... Yeah, he's been in amazing form um, after being in absolutely terrible form under Pochettino for the last year. Kane looks to be scoring again. Got a brace in the year. He also was not not doing too hot under Pochettino the last few months. Sissoko hadn't scored in like 95 games. He scored two goals in his last two games. I, 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 looked it I up. don't know what's going on right now at Tottenham. I looked it up. Deli Alli um, didn't score in the West Ham game, but I think he scored. Gotcha. In, but so he had this one game he, he didn't had an score. Assist. But, he still had an assist in that game. So he yeah, had the brace yeah. against Bournemouth. He scored their one goal against Manchester United. He scored in the Champions League game. He now scored again this weekend. Or no, he um, he didn't have a goal, but he had an, an assist in this. He had two assists, two assists. this weekend. So yeah, he's he has, he's, he's just he's balling he's out right now. Back to contributing to positive moments for Tottenham and, it's, and kind of showing you know showing that 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 player that he was a couple years also, ago. Also, Tottenham kept a clean sheet. When was the last time that fucking happened? It's been you a know? long time. All, all of these things, all of these things, point to Tottenham is back. Um, they're definitely going to be in it for top four, and you know you, you got to be worried. There's six team points. Uh, there's six points behind Chelsea right now. I mean, we were talking about them being dark horses for the title race, saying under Pochettino they, they made a Champions League final. This is a very good team. You know, Mourinho's just turning the right, pushing the right buttons right now, and getting uh, getting the most out of his players. How long is this going to last? You know, it might be a year, might be a year and a half. It might not be the whole season. It might not be the whole season. It might collapse before the end of the season. We don't know. But right now, Tottenham look good. Um, they look like they're going to be a handful this year. And, 
you know, I kind of fancy them against that uh, the Chelsea matchup they have coming up in a in a week or two here. Well, here's here's their next three games, okay? And this we're gonna see how legit this team is under Mourinho and how united they are right right here. Bayern away on Wednesday. I think their their division in the Champions League is already decided though, but that's still like a game that they got absolutely embarrassed by Bayern at home. So they're gonna want to still play hard in that. Away to Wolves on next Sunday. And then they host Chelsea on the 22nd, and that's leading. They have a very easy, they have an easy schedule around the holidays. Well, easier. They have home Chelsea on the 22nd, home Brighton on the 26th, away Norwich on the 28th, away Southampton on the 1st. Yeah, if they can come through these next three games that you just talked about with like a couple of wins, I guarantee you they're just going to blow through the holiday period with a bunch of wins and they're going to look really strong coming into the new year. But there's if they struggle in these next three games, then maybe not. And there's, maybe there's they'll a, look at Tottenham as a And that Chelsea game is, like I said, way. that Chelsea game is so huge because that's huge. Chelsea's yeah, on 29 Chelsea points. Chelsea's on 29 points. Wolves and United are both on 24. I think the Bayern game is really big, too. Also for, like, the psyche of the players. Yeah. Just, like, knowing that, like, okay, Bayern aren't that much better than us, guys. Like, they can't be blowing us away, you know, with that many goals at our stadium. So I think they'll... They'll be uh, trying to put on a good show against Bayern uh, at, at Allianz Arena. But and, and also, they play Wolves next weekend, and Wolves are a point a point ahead of them in the table right now. for Because for, yeah. Wolves are in Wolves six. Wolves have been awesome. Yeah, Wolves, yeah. Wolves were in 19th after the first mm-hmm. five game weeks. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're in fifth or sixth right now sixth is place. absolutely amazing yeah. to me. And they could have you know, they, they could be incredible. They could have been in fifth if they had beaten Brighton earlier today. Uh, Man- let's get to the Manchester Derby. Manchester City loses 2-1 to Manchester United. Rashford in the 23rd, Martial in the 29th. And frankly, the opening 30 minutes of this was a kind of what we expected. Alex and I talked about how Manchester United would utilize the counterattack really well, but, man, Scott McTominay is so... It, like, I, I, Yo, I've been talking about it, I know, I know. I've been saying have. McTominay. I've been saying that Fred... Fred was amazing in this game. And I've been saying it um, to Alex privately a lot that I think Fred this year has been excellent, especially when he's played with McTominay. I think when he hasn't played with McTominay, he's been exposed, but I don't think that's his fault. I think, you know, midfield is such a team, like controlling the game in the midfield is such a team effort. Um, And having Scott McTominay with Fred in that midfield without Pogba has been a revelation for Manchester United this season. And I think this was the first game that you really saw it flourish because they were up against Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, you know, Fernandinho Rodri. and Rodri, and these are great midfielders, and they were they were beating them. They were playing around them. They were creating chances and defending really well. So um, I felt like uh, this was a really good showing for Manchester United. It showed that, you know, number one, as much as I hate to admit it, United are ahead of Arsenal in their, you know, where they are right now. Um, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, unlike Unai Emery, you know, I've, I've never thought that he... Can't take this team at least a little bit more forward. Um, you know, I think he could make top four with them this year. I think they have the tools there. They they probably need to go out and buy someone in January, a player or two. Um, they have, I'm sure they have the money at their disposal. But I think a result like this will give the board, will give United fans um, a lot of calm, a lot of ease, thinking, hey, Ole's the right guy for the job. Let's back him. Let's get behind him. And... Um, you know, it's, it's been slow improvement, but it's been there. I've been, I've been talking about it this season. I've been saying how, you know, United have been getting these, you know, it's every time on the pitch, they just look a little bit better, a little bit better. And then now they've beaten, they've beaten a Mourinho Tottenham. They've beaten, um, Pep City at the Etihad, which 
I don't think we would have thought that they could ever do and that. They drew so. Liverpool at home. They're unbeaten against and, uh, all and, top and, and six. Can I, can I say six. this? I, they were kind of comfortable winning this game. Like, Otamendi scored in the 85th minute, and, like, it wasn't really nervy. No. Like, they, like, they controlled the game pretty well, and they probably could have gone up 3-0, like, at multiple points this game. So, <laughs> Ederson made a bunch of saves. Yes, he did. Especially in the first half, like you mentioned, those first 30 minutes. Like, United kind of blew them away. And, like, that, like, Daniel James, um, you know, Rashford, Martial... Uh, and, and Lingard was really good this game. He didn't score or get an assist, but his link-up play was excellent. His work rate was excellent. And I got to give him credit. You know, I don't I make fun of him a lot, but I thought he was really good this game too. So credit to Manchester United right now. On the flip side, though, City. Like, and they may have... They're in, they're in some trouble. City are in a lot of trouble. I mean, they're 14 points behind the leaders. Um, you talk about You talk about the injuries. They may have just picked up another one. John Stones, we don't know how long he, you know, he didn't finish the game. That's why Otamendi came on. So you're talking about going through the business, the busiest period of the season with a back line of Otamendi and Fernandinho. That's not going to work. Yeah, that sounds real bad. That's not going to work. Um, the thing is that they're still top four. They'll be fine. They're they'll probably. Oh, they'll definitely be I in top four. Still I'm think sure, they're going to but... finish second. But I just yeah I, think, I don't I, think, I don't think the thing yeah. about City is this isn't like they're done for the this, title for sure. This isn't like a this isn't oh we just need to sign a player or, or do this or that. Like the, I, I read a report about how when they start losing they start crossing making all these crosses a lot and I'm, Alex and I have talked about this on the pod. Manchester City play a different style of football than Liverpool do. Like you don't see them score from like you see the Kevin De Bruyne you know low cross that somebody slams home in front of the net. But you don't see them, like, scoring headers from crosses in the same way that, like, Sadio Mane and Firmino do for Liverpool. But City just start, cro- like, throwing in all these crosses once they lose. And it's, like, it's almost like, like, we we talked about how City play the perfect football to, like, chop a team up, like, the Barcelona style. And it's, like, why aren't they doing that when they're losing these games? It, it makes no sense to me. Did you uh, did you hear Pep's comments uh, before the the game this weekend saying, like, Oh yeah, like we, we're the team that creates the most chances. We have the best defense in the league. But I, I don't really understand why Liverpool have this giant gap on us. It's like, really, dude? It's because you're playing fucking Fernandinho at center back, bro. Like, you've you've uh, Liverpool had their their starting goalkeeper out for the first like three months of the season, and you guys still are eleven points behind. So fourteen. I would have been making excuses like that. Fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen. Jesus. 14. Yeah, that's. That's crazy. Yeah. Leicester are your main contenders now. You know, well, they're like only what eight points behind. Or something? They're eight points back, but that's pretty good. This is Leicester's best start to a season ever, including the season that they won the title. So, yeah, hey, they're they're on pace to uh, finish with something like eighty eight or eighty nine points this year. Which, crazy enough, Liverpool are definitely on pace to finish with more than that. Yeah, we're on 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 pace for quite a lot. Uh, but let's let's talk about Leicester, who got a four one victory today over Aston Villa. They conceded only their tenth goal of the season. That's amazing. It's ridiculous. To me. I mean, it, it, this is a team that lost their best center back on the second to last day of the season, mm-hmm. and they didn't replace him. Mm-hmm. We all thought like this team was going to be really rough defensively. I was saying it on the pod, you know, the preview pod before the beginning of the season. I thought they were going to have a lot of trouble with Soyuncu Evans. I didn't think that. I mean, Soyuncu's been. Unreal. I mean, this guy, like, he can't put a foot wrong. The guy makes amazing last-ditch tackles. He can pass. He's got heading. 
And Johnny Evans, like he looks like he's twenty five again. You know, my concern with it's, Johnny it's Evans crazy is what, um, my concern with Johnny Evans is the injuries. Like I don't, I think he's a good. I think he's a very good center back. I, I my concern is can he really do this for the entire season for Leicester? He was really good at West Brom before they got sent down. I think they're close enough to January now where I'm guessing they're going to dip into January and buy a center back yeah. and maybe be okay for the rest of the year because like. I'm sure they're looking right now thinking, we got a great chance for top four. Let's not mess this up, you know? And I mean, because their midfield all they is need so to really good. go do is get a little bit of defensive reinforcement. They seem to have a lot of um, Kalechi Ihinacho mm-hmm. scored in this game, scored in, I think, the last league game as well. Mm-hmm. Goal and assist in the last game, goal and assist in this game. His resurgence as well kind of brings a new dynamic it, to this they changed, side. They changed their lineup, they changed their formation. They played the 4 4, four 2 diamond with. Indeedy at the base, Tielemans and Prayette on out on the sides, uh, Madison at the tip, Iannaccio and Vardy up top. That's a solid lineup. But also, you the, you can very easily like ref, like revert to the four one four one they were using with with uh, um, Harvey Barnes on the left. Yeah, and, I think that's what they did and, once they went up yeah. two or three goals. They brought out uh, took out Iannaccio, brought on Harvey Barnes that diamond that you're talking about and yeah they s- completely shut the game down from there. Yeah, this is this is a very good team that like you look at all these players and it's like this is one of the like this Leicester team kind of all right, it doesn't have the talisman of of Mbappe from that Monaco team, but you look at this team and a lot of this team is very young with the exception of like Vardy, Schmeichel, can we can we talk about Evans. Vardy real quick? S- Sixteen goals, and it's uh, December eighth. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! He's got a goal a game. We're sixteen games into the mm-hmm. season right now. Yeah, he's got sixteen goals. The closest to him right now is Tammy Abraham at eleven, and then a couple other players um, have like ten, like Obama Yang. And uh, to me, that's that's crazy that Jamie Vardy. He scored in I think nine straight games now or eight straight games. Is the record that he set um, in that title winning season was twelve. I mean, he's not that far from that. Now, they've got a couple of hard fixtures coming up, Leicester City, right now. Um, I believe they're playing... They're I got definitely playing City soon. Okay, here, here it is. They've got Norwich on, over next weekend. Everton right after that. Manchester City... A couple of games yeah. they should win. Manchester City away on the 21st. Liverpool at home the day after Christmas. Oof, those are two just brutal fixtures. West Ham away on the 28th. Newcastle away on the 1st. So that's a yeah that's, that's a lot that's, that's a rough run um, the, those last four games there and um, the Ever- the Everton game is in the League Cup so but yeah that's gonna be a lot for them I mean this is a big test for them if they can come through this period I mean even if they can if they could beat Manchester City obviously that'll put them as like cl- the clear number two. And then obviously the game against Liverpool is what they're looking at is like hey can we win this if we win this like we'll definitely be announcing ourselves as the number two, you know, in the title race. But there's a big few weeks coming up for Leicester. And I thought in this game they were brilliant. I, I've, I've been touting how good Villa were um, against the other, you know, top six teams this year. been saying they've been playing against the level of their opposition for the most part this year. And in this game, I mean, to be fair to them, they had a really big injury to Tyrone Mings very early on in the game. Like the, 15th minute or something, Tyrone Mings had to come off. And once Tyrone Mings came off, they just didn't look like the same team. Leicester were able to take advantage of uh, an inexperienced center back that came on for them. 
And yeah, at that point, they pretty much had no chance. But I was still really impressed with the way that Leicester's midfield just completely bossed. Um, they started Dennis Prey in this game, and he played really well, I thought. He was um, super solid defensively. He was able to be that like metronome in the midfield, and it kind of freed up Madison to get up forward more. And Madison was just you know shooting shots all game, getting us you know looks at goal, getting uh, key passes off, and they looked really dangerous this game. And uh, they looked even they looked more adaptable than they've looked in recent weeks. Like Andrew mentioned, they had a different formation with two strikers and. Um, once Ihanacho actually came off in the second half, Fardy looked even more dangerous because he was by himself again, and he was just like that, you know, roaming number nine that plays off of the center backs. And yeah, I just I really like this Leicester side this year. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers is doing an amazing job, and we can't uh, praise him more right now because there's there, every single decision that he's making is going correct for him. Like it was a little bit risky playing the formation that he did, going away from like what had been working week in week out, but. Yeah, I mean, they got a really, really easy 4-1 away win at a Villa side that, you know, have given trouble to the other the other top teams in the league so far. Yeah, they haven't they haven't been pushovers. OK, before we uh, transition this over to you and Alex talking about Arsenal and Chelsea, I want to ask you, I, I don't think he's not going to give it up, give up the Leicester job right now because that would be moronic. Like there's a real chance for him to he do something. He just got his contract renewed to 2025, I believe. He just got a new deal, and they just, like, yesterday, I think, he just got um, a new contract handed to him. So I don't think he's going anywhere. That, I was going to sure ask you if he was getting, if you if would want him at Arsenal, but... Oh, of course I'd want him, but he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's got a better project at Leicester right now. Like, yep. they've got amazing young players, they've got good veterans, I mean... They've got he's got all the trust of the board, all the fans. I mean, why would you come to Arsenal right now? You know, I don't blame him. And also, he's too, I mean, right now. he might get Ars- he might get Leicester to the Champions League, and Arsenal won't be there. I think next he year. definitely will this year. I'm pretty sure he will. So then, I'm pretty sure he'll do right it. now. Fine, we're 16 games through the season, so that's a f- we're at the officially the halfway point. Right? No, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. Not yet. Not yet. Two games. It's not this. Yeah, two more yeah, games. Two more games. Okay, so I, we'll save this question for in a couple of pods then. That's my math being really shitty. All right, let's transition back to Alex and Javier. Hey, guys. Alex and Javier here. Just to wrap up the weekend chat after Arsenal's 3-1 win against West Ham at the London Stadium. Uh, Arsenal, obviously, on a terrible run of form in the league going into this. Uh, they go down. You did it, guys. Yeah. You did it. <laughs> They go down early to an Ogbonna uh, set-piece goal in the 38th minute before a flurry of goals in a 10-minute span in the second half from uh, Martinelli in the 60th minute, uh, Nicolas Pepe in the 66th minute, and uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the 69th minute, giggity, uh, sealed the win for Arsenal. They're first in what, like nine league games? Is it nine or was it shorter than that? This is what happens when a stoppable force meets a movable object. Like... Uh Two complete shit teams going at each other. And it's just a question of who's who could have the shittier half. Who who could ha- who could who could like smash their heads into each other and just like get it come out on top, you know, killing each other's brain cells. That's basically what this game was because Arsenal were atrocious in the first half. Didn't create anything. Didn't have any shots on target in the first half. Uh, West Ham got a deserved lead. And looked like they were going to be the better team starting in the second half. And I don't know. They just kind of fell asleep. And 
Arsenal turned it on for 10 minutes and scored three goals and just West Ham just gave up after that. It was like, it was really weird. It, I, I, it was the first game where I felt like, hey, you know, we kind of deserve to win. And just the, we scored a three shots on target in those 10 minutes and that was it. So, yeah, it was not a fun game. I don't I don't have too much to take from it other than like we were actually able to create with Martinelli and Pepe. Um, and good Torreira. It's the one thing I was. They both got goals. Yeah, Terrer was involved in the midfield. He was able to play through the like lines. I didn't. I didn't watch the game, but I said to you when I watched those highlights back, the player that stood out to me was Terrera actually providing some kind of punch in midfield. Because too often with Shaka and some of the other players you've been playing in there, it's just been stagnant and no sort of like like vertical passing from there. And Terrera just kind of got things moving, which you know, with the pacey players you guys had up front, like that's always going to be a positive. It's going to be your best way to create chances. Did Martinelli play well overall? I know he got the first goal. Yeah, he played really well. I mean, he played the whole game. He wasn't taking. He's going to keep his spot. Um, no Lacazette returning. It's going to be Martinelli, Pepe, maybe, and yeah. Aubameyang. Mar- Martinelli got his goal. Pepe got a goal. Uh, also, a really nice goal from Pepe. Finally, um, a goal from open play, like cutting in, and he's tried that a lot. Finally, it came off for him. Um, I just hope that it gives him some confidence and that he can get a run of games now. And uh, honestly, like I don't. Angelino's trash, so like Pepe running at <laughs> okay, Angelino is right. going to be pretty fun. We can, we can see you talking yourself into the result already. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> looking forward to the preview. Just, I mean, Pepe's going to score, I think, again. Okay, all right, well, we'll, we'll see about yeah. that. Uh, that's all <laughs> I think Pepe will score again. Uh, but yeah, I, it was interesting. He, he, I'm glad he dropped David Luiz for this game. He played Socrates in Chambers, um, and we looked a lot more solid defensively. I'll give uh, the team credit in that um this performance was actually probably one of our better ones of the season in terms of we just didn't we didn't allow a ton of chances um we just weren't we were just kind of blunt we didn't create much either um and we were just very very clinical which isn't going to happen every game you know so uh west ham didn't defend very well either they just kind of just kind of laid down for us and just let us win after they were up one nil they had you know really really bad game management I think you mentioned that to me as well. You know, it was just for them, they they could have hunkered down and tried to frustrate us and gotten 11 men behind the ball. But instead, they they went up 1-0 and they just kept attacking us, trying to get the second and the third goal. And we had three really, really pacey attackers that could counterattack them. So that's pretty much how we were able to get a lot of these goals in transition. Like you said, we did need a player like Torreira to be able to break through the lines, but... It gives me a little bit of hope that with those players playing, you know, rotating with Lacazette, there's something there. Obviously, it was there for any manager that had a brain. Like, you play those players together. I also really did like the the Chambers-Socrates pairing. Socrates, like, when he's the main center back that has to do the the last-ditch tackles as well as dictate, like, the ball from the back, he's much more calm and like when Chambers is next to him than when Louise is the one dictating everything and calling all the shots at the back because it's it's just completely different when Louise is calling the shots so uh, I, I definitely felt like having a different partner next to him was m- really beneficial for Papa because he's been he'd been having a couple nightmare games recently with Louise yeah he's I, I would argue he's been almost as bad as David Louise um but I mean, the the big thing that you guys overcame that I that I Miley saw. Niles also started a right back. Bellerin was uh, slotted to start and got injured in the warm up, and Maitland Niles. Tierney also in. got injured in the twenty fifth minute, so both of our fullbacks um, got injured. So that's kind of concerning that we now have a few injuries coming into this busy period. 
Yeah, but I mean, I was looking at it from the standpoint of that could kind of been like an explanation for why the first half performance was so bad. Uh, because you go into this game from like a like five days between the last game and, and this one, game planning for this, knowing who the, the, the lineup's going to be, or you probably should know who the lineup's going to be. Then all of a sudden, right before kickoff, your right back goes down, and 25 minutes in, the left back goes down. Granted, Klasnash came on and set up, who was it? Who did he set up for, uh, was it Martinelli? He set up Martinelli's goal, the first He one. set up Martinelli's goal, yeah. So, really nice finish from Martinelli. All the all the goals were really nice finishes. You can't, you couldn't really fault the uh, West Ham keeper for, for any of them. I mean, maybe the Aubameyang one, but it was a really nice finish, I think, from Aubameyang. I think with West Ham, you got to be concerned. I mean, I know they got a really good result for che- against Chelsea recently, but... Nope. There's a lot of losses. They're still very near the, the the bottom of the table, and yeah, you gotta you gotta be concerned if you're a West Ham fan because they they might need a change, and because they have a lot of talent, they've spent a lot of money. Um, they got a new stadium. They they cannot go down. That would be a disaster for them. Yeah, I mean, you think Pellegrini, Pellegrini is the next man up on the chopping block what with all the other uh, changes that have happened at clubs recently. So Yeah, West Ham have 16 points. They're in 16th place, uh, one point away from the drop. Yeah, so. it's struggle city for them. It's, uh, but there's also a lot of opportunity to make up ground right now. You can look at it from a positive way because, you know, it, it takes two wins and all of a sudden you're back in mid-table. Uh, you, you can ask Newcastle or Southampton or uh, – or Burnley about that. All these teams are like yo-yoing back and forth from mid-table down into like the relegation battle, and then getting themselves back out of it. So there's still plenty of opportunities for them uh, to, to to make up some ground to come into the the Christmas period here. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, just because I didn't get to jump on the pod yesterday um, and talk to you guys about the week in general. Oh yeah, we got to talk about your your uh, your your, your blue. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, let's not talk about Saturday. Uh, well, no, yeah, let's no, talk let's, about let's talk about let's the talk three about one. Duncan Ferguson is a hero. Let's talk about Friday. He's the king of blue. Javier, a, a better time. What? Friday mm-hmm. morning, I wake up to the notification that Chelsea's transfer ban has been lessened to a single trans uh, to a single transfer window. Fraud. Which we, what the fuck which is going? Serve. Does Wenger started his job yet? What's that? Has Wenger started his job at FIFA yet? This is bullshit. Well, no, it was an appeal like, to the court for arbitration uh, for sport. Ah, and so they you probably paid them. Abramovich they, they paid found, off uh, FIFA. The court of our cast. So, yeah. yeah. Chelsea get to use their blood money now again. So, Chelsea are back in business for January. Um, that, uh, that equation was I mean, made much more interesting. Watch them go get Jade and Sancho. Yeah, okay, right? yeah. That, I mean, in a perfect world, sure. Or Koulibaly. I'll settle for Koulibaly. I mean, do you think that you could pry like a big player from any team in January? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like expect it, but I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't think I, you could. I think, I think like the best type of player you could get would be like, I don't know, maybe um, like a one away star that's not doing well on a team right well, that's, now. That's kind of what um, I'm saying. Where I think the strat- the strategy has to be. Like in we January. got a bombing because he literally went on strike. Right. So similarly, like for Van Dyke going to Liverpool. That happened on like New Year's Day, basically, uh, because everyone knew he wanted to leave yeah, Southampton. Exactly. Same type so, of thing. So, I mean, now there's rumors coming out that Koulibaly wants out at Napoli with all of the the upheaval there from the top down. So, I mean, if he's available, it's not just going to be Chelsea that want him. Yeah, he wouldn't go to it's Chelsia, gonna, yeah. buddy. He'd no, exactly. Go, he'd go to Manchester, Manchester City. City or Man United, I'm sure, yeah. would come in. Trust me, Man City would just be like, oh, what did Chelsea bid? Oh, we'll double that. I don't so. think they'd be willing to go that high, though. 
How high do you think Manchester I, City I, would be willing to spend on a center back? I think they'd pay like one thirty or one forty. Yeah, we probably spend. We probably I think spend they'd more like than that. shatter the world record. I think we would probably be willing to spend more than that on him. That'd be crazy if you guys got in a bidding war and Napoli were like, ah, but I, like we want two hundred million. I think overall, not not he's, not. he's the Mbappe of center backs sure, right now in terms of availability. He is until Van Dyke becomes available again. But that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's the kind of player that. I would want Chelsea, if they become available, we have to be ready to pounce and try and get a player like that. But if not, I don't want more money wasted on like Danny Drinkwaters or Zappa Costas. Because... All right, enough wasting time about some bullshit. We need to talk well, about no, no, the no. game. 3-1, Javier, Chelsea Javier. lost. I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not uh, done yet. So I will, I will, I will wrap this in. Destroy Chelsea again. I will what? wrap this in. Where the whole transfer ban thing becomes or being reduced becomes more interesting is the fact that the results have kind of turned recently. We've got three losses in our last four league games, one win against Aston Villa at home. And we're going into Christmas, which is like kind of tough. We've got games against Tottenham and Arsenal coming up pretty soon, and then the transfer window will reopen. So if Chelsea continue to like, if we lose two more games going into January, then you'll probably see us try to be like aggressive uh, and, and actually try to force like a Sancho or a Koulibaly or something like that. But I just, I just hope that like it doesn't go wrong, like two losses between now and January, and then we go and spend money on players that we don't really need because we have just as good of players in our academy that I would rather us like invest in. So it's 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 like a fine sort of uh, like balancing game you're playing where you're not you're not trying to like throw the squad chemistry off too much from what we've got going on with the youth right now, uh, but at the same time it's obviously like starting to falter a little bit and there needs to be like an inject an injection of experience and like real world class quality. So um it's it's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on. But this the the, the Chelsea loss to start the the weekend. It was at Goodison Park, seven thirty AM on Saturday morning. The two early goals in each of the halves really don't help. <laughs> you know, we conceded four minutes in and then uh, to the first half when Richarlison scored. And we can see. Yeah, I didn't watch this game because there was like three better games yeah. on to no, watch. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. S- sadly, this was like the fourth game on the list, so I was like, I kind of figured you'd be watching. Um, I just watched a replay of the goals, and it looked like they, and like from the stats and from every, all the reaction from the match, it looked like they deserved to win, right? No. Like, I mean, they they no? were good, but it was the kind of game that if we were like an experienced, good Chelsea team, like from the past, where if it was like. Liverpool or Manchester City or Leicester playing against them. I just asked you it's, if they deserve to win this game. You're just be delusionally at saying if we were this Chelsea team from old. No, it's the kind of game that like the proper like really good teams like the top three. Okay, but in you're the not that right team. Now. You're no, a no, bunch just, of kids. Let me finish. Let me finish. If we were like that experienced team, we would like draw or maybe sneak out a win. But because we do have so many inconsistent, not just youth players, but also some of the experienced players, the the uh, they just didn't really show up because of that. It like was a it was a real struggle to create anything. The only two like really good performances that we had were from Kovacic and Kante, and it felt like we could have used Jorginho and his experience as sort of like monitoring like the tempo of the game and knowing when to speed things up and when to slow things down and keep possession. Like that could have really helped. I think I think Frank kind of messed up there playing Mason Mount over him. Um, but you know, it's he's going to stick with some of the youth, and he obviously loves Mason Mount. So, yeah, it, it just wasn't good enough. We get the second and third goals are completely avoidable. Like we just gifted them those goals. So, 
in a, in a, in a, in a world where we're a little bit more experienced, a little bit more, I don't know, have a little bit more quality rather than like five out of 10 performances over most of the field. We usually, I think we would normally draw that game, but because of those two really bad mistakes, we lose. So I don't think the sky is falling on Chelsea. It's just like a bad patch that needs to be turned around soon. And we've got like a couple games here. I think uh, the Bournemouth home game this weekend, like it's never easy against them, but we should beat them. And then we have a chance to go to Tottenham and try and upend Jose Mourinho's Tottenham. So it's, it's yeah, it's I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, I wish we were playing a little bit better going into it. Um, and obviously, we've got a huge home game against Lille tomorrow, which will be p- being played uh, when you're listening to this. So if we can win that, then I think we can maybe turn things around and at least go in, at least maintain four, four the five losses point in the game. last five games for Chelsea right now. Is this not, is this concerning for you at all? Four in the last five? Who was the fourth? Yeah, four in the last five. Who's the fourth? Uh, you lost in... Um, lost to Manchester City away. We lost to West Ham at home. lost four times in the, in the league in the last five games, I believe. I, I, I said it was three in the last four just a second ago. Let me take a look at it. Yeah, we've lost three of the last four. Before that, we we beat Palace at home. And did you lose in Did you lose in uh, Champions League? No, you tied. No, we right? tied. Yeah, we drew Valencia. Yeah, so we're we're doing okay. It's just the league recently that it's uh, kind of dropped off. And really, the only really bad result out of those is the West Ham loss at home. The other two are like a little bit, like we haven't even talked about how Duncan Ferguson just completely like changed the energy in that stadium and changed the energy in the team. Like, I kind of predicted it on the pod last week and said this is the classic. This is the classic like Everton new manager bounce at home against a big club kind of game, and it happened. So uh, I think that'll be enough uh, from from us. We talked about our own clubs a little bit. I feel like it was warranted with Arsenal getting their first win in a while and Chelsea having the transfer ban reduced. So uh, thanks again for listening to the Ghost Call Pod this week. Keep an eye out for our preview pod coming up uh, next weekend. Like Javier mentioned, we have Arsenal hosting Manchester City next weekend to preview. And uh, I think a couple other uh, pretty spicy games. So uh, for me, Alex, and Javier, you can follow us on social media at ASMOS92 for me, at JavierRev9 for uh, him on Instagram. Obviously, Andrew's at Andrew Passaro, and all the podcast socials are at Pod. And until next time, 